podcast i'm your host baskar and today we've got something great for you uh we are finally counting down to the last game of the premier league season and i think this is a great time to release the premier league team of the season uh we've got aranyak and mihul with us as always um and we've had a lot of debate over the last week in terms of selecting who should be in the starting 11 uh whether we should have a substitute to bench or not whether we should uh nominate the player of the season the young player of the season uh manager of the season uh we even thought we would mention the goal of the season but then that seems slightly off uh because we're doing a podcast and you might not be able to imagine the goal that we discuss uh so that got cut out uh but it seems like we've got a great lineup finally uh after a few days of <laughs> intense debate on our whatsapp group uh, and we look forward to sharing that with you The 37th game week, Liverpool finally got their hands on the elusive Premier League trophy that's evaded them for 30 years. Uh, that's three decades worth of pain, wait, uh, and a lot of taunts from rival fans. Uh, but here we are. Uh, Liverpool have finally lifted that trophy, and the baton has been passed to Arsenal, who've not won it for 16 years now. Uh, God knows how long they might have to wait to win that trophy. uh united have won it for 7 years so the the two of them are quite <laughs> close in terms of their comparison of who's going to lift the trophy first uh but liverpool fans would be happy that the monkeys of their backs now uh and in that context i think we should uh find out what our team of the season is uh, the three of us have debated like i said long hours about this we just want to let you know that uh, the formation we're going with is the traditional 4-3-3 um because it seems like the a uh, formation that won the premier league this season so i think alluding to that we can go on with 433 and uh, the players that we think the 11 that we think should fit in uh, fits very well into that system uh, so we'll start with the goalkeeping position as is traditionally uh, done um so we started with looking at the statistics in terms of the clean sheets uh, we found Edison Pope competing for that uh, in terms of save percentage we found that Pope again was are doing quite well along with Dean Henderson as well as uh, Allison was up there and i think that's where our debate was right arnag meolo do you think pope henderson ederson i think that's the top 3 for us um and can you tell us how we came to the conclusion that we did i won't tell who it was maybe one of you can uh, finally tell the listeners who we did select after the debate that we had uh, meol maybe you can go ahead first um yeah i think i'll go with pope and it's a very close call between him and dean henderson i think i'm not taking anything away from alison who has obviously had a splendid season but the fact that i think he was injured uh, for some time and adrian had to come in so i think that goes against him and henderson and pope have really come on their own this season i mean if at the start of the season if i would have told you that henderson and pope would be competing as uh, you know joint first and joint second in terms of clean sheets so you would probably laugh you know sheffield uh, are the were the new boys in the premier league nobody expected a lot of things from them but obviously they've overperformed and burnley have again been rock solid in defense and i think that's a very underappreciated factor when it comes to sean dyche's team that their defense is criminally under underrated and i think with pope uh, the fact that he's got 15 clean sheets uh, in this burnley side is a testament to that and a lot has to be credited to the defense but as a goalkeeper individually i think pope has really come on his own 
you know, he had this injury last season, which uh, forced him out for the entirety of the campaign. And coming after such a long-term injury and playing at the highest level is really, uh, you know, kudos to him. And with Pope, I have noticed that he's not your modern goalkeeper. He's not extremely good with passing or, you know, with his feet. But in terms of saves or in terms of uh, saves with his feet, which I've noticed, he's top on the charts, uh, saves with feet. And he's top on the charts of uh, catches in that penalty area. So it really shows how commanding he is in that penalty area. And uh, he has a huge presence. And I feel uh, he really deserves to be in this uh, 11. And uh, maybe he wins the, uh, you know, Golden Glove Award with a clean sheet at Brighton. So, yeah, let's see. Yeah, uh, I agree, Mehul. I think Alisson does deserve a shout also. But again, the whole Adrian thing and his injury went against him. Uh, and City haven't been as defensively solid as they, as they would have liked to have been because of Laporte's injury. But uh, I had given Henderson a shout, actually. But uh, these guys did convince me to go the other way around. And we have gone for Nick Pope. So I think I think Burnley's defense is really underrated. Like you said, it everyone knows how tough it is to go to Burnley and get a result then. And uh, I think that you know Pope is very commanding. He has excellent reflexes, and I think he's a good shout for even uh, to be England's number one, along with Dean Henderson, in fact. So uh, Pope is our pick, and uh, let's move on. All right. Um, I think between him and Henderson. Uh, England's probably got their uh, goalkeeping spot sorted. Um, they've still got some fantastic keepers. Uh, and I think that challenge for that position is going to only increase uh, as much as probably their forward line. Um, but like you said, moving on, I think the defence for us, three positions were more or less fixed. We didn't have a debate about the three positions. And all three positions were for the Liverpool players, as you wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the right back that we chose was Trent Alexander-Arnold. Left back was obviously Andrew Robertson, uh, and one of the centre backs that we fixed on was Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, now there is more than enough said about these three players. Uh, all I can allude to is the fact that uh, Alexander Arnold has broken his own assist record. Uh, he's got thirteen assists now. Robertson has reached Alexander Arnold's previous record. He's got twelve assists now, uh, and Virgil Van Dijk is a colossus of a, a central defender. He never seems to sweat. Uh, except that one bad game against Arsenal, I don't see him having too much of a uh, threat in terms of being recognised as the best centre-back in uh, England, at least, if not the world. Uh, what are your views, Mehul Aranak? What did you all think about the three positions? Why did you choose them? Yeah, I think the three positions you talk, talked about, they're absolute no-brainers. The fact that Trent Arnold, Robertson and Van Dijk, they just walk into that uh, team of the season. And uh, we can have shouts for uh, Ricardo Pereira, Aaron Van Bissaka, who had excellent seasons individually. But when you compare them with Trent Arnold, then it's just uh, unmatchable. I mean, you can't compare them at all in terms of the attacking output which uh, Trent has. And that kind of fullback partnership between Arnold and Robertson is unbeatable right now, I think. We've not seen anything like this in Premier League history. And I just, uh, you know think that Robertson for 8 million now just feels one of the bargains of the century. I mean, he's just come on his own. And I think, you know, Trent Arnold is more technically adept, I think, with his delivery and crossing. And Robertson might be a shade below that. But I think his hunger, his desire overrides his technicalities. And I think those two fullback positions, we 
we might talk about this these two in the in the player uh, in the team of the seasons in later years also so and obviously van dijk colossal in the middle and i think arnold can shed light on uh, van dijk if <laughs> if there is a need to shed light on him i don't think there's any more light and i agree uh, about the full backs because uh, 8 million the combined fee of the both of them is 8 million and they're so young and it's not even about uh, them competing with the rest of the league it's just them competing with themselves they're just having fun who will get the most assists this season me or you it's just banter on twitter on instagram and uh, we can see that on the pitch and of course van dijk uh i've seen a lot of people actually say that van dijk has had a bad season and you could argue that he hasn't been as colossal as he was last season but uh, even van dijk having a you know quote unquote bad season he's still a no brainer for for the team for the team of the season so uh, yeah there's not much light to shed on him and i think these three you know with uh, liverpool you can obviously we're going to talk about the attacking outlets but the defense has been absolutely solid over the last couple of years and it's definitely paid dividends yeah and i think uh, like you said uh, about the right back position uh, united fans can uh, take heart in the fact that uh, van bissaka has really done well after his uh, 45 million pound move to united uh, and defensively he seems to be probably the best full back in the world right now in terms of one on one defending if he can improve his uh, uh outlay in the attacking regions i think he'll be someone who'll be a threat to alexander arnold but right now you don't see that happening uh possibly with the two seasons that alexander arnold has had i think he is in contention to be the right back of the premier league uh in its entire history now for 30 years almost uh he'll probably outseed gary neville by the time he's done with his career uh, even if you just consider these two seasons uh and that's how good he's been now the formation is 433 right uh, we've got a right center back position that's that was up for debate again amongst us uh, there were lots of candidates we had tarkovsky to consider uh, we had one of the boys from sheffield uh, either chris basham or egan or uh, o'connell uh, we also considered lester uh, with soyuncu and evans i think we came down to a shortlist of uh, soyuncu or evans uh, we settled finally on johnny evans because of the number of games he's played and there is better disciplinary record in term in comparison to soyuncu uh, i think uh, this is a great thing for johnny evans the kind of season he's had because i think united made a big mistake by letting him go when they did to west brom uh, he was probably going to be the central defender for a long time for them um, but they let him go after sir alex ferguson left um, and now he's really you know he's gotten older he's probably gotten wiser and he's showing his worth uh, to the premier league by being such a commanding center back Uh, scoring goals, passing the ball well, uh, and holding up their clean sheet record, which is probably one of the top five in the uh, Premier League. Although they've had a slump uh, post lockdown, but Leicester have been heavily reliant on Soyuncu as well as Evans. But Evans just edges it for us in terms of the disciplinary record. Uh, Arnyak and I went with uh, Soyuncu for this. Arnyak, would you like to share some more light on why you thought Soyuncu should be the choice instead of Evans? Yeah I think that with Soyuncu you know him being the new boy and all we had never heard of him for him to come in and uh, adapt so well to the Premier League when I mean when you look at the guy he seems made for the Premier League you know rough and tough just you know the guy looks like a beast but I think initially why I went with Soyuncu was uh, maybe he would have been the more commanding one maybe uh, in more of the bigger moments in the matches he might have been more decisive you know with his headers and clearances and all that but again uh, unfortunately that red card 
uh, we had to take that uh, into account. And when you look at the stats, clean sheets is is just uh, he just has one more than Evans. And maybe you could argue that if he would have been playing, then Leicester would have you know both of them would have kept more clean sheets. But again, um, Evans being 32 now and uh, shipping in with a couple of goals and an assist this season, he started every single match for Leicester and uh, I think he's been an absolute rock. Yeah, I think um, obviously Soyuncu has been, uh, like you said, he came from outside and nobody had heard of him and he's really come on his own. But I think Evans is a player reborn and the fact that United let him go is fine, but they let him go for 3 million is uh, another debate, you know, uh, altogether because he played at West Brom for three years. So that's kind of a million in year. So it's, I don't know what that transfer policy was or what Ed Woodward and Co were thinking, but um, selling Johnny Johnny Evans was a really, a really bad move. And now he's uh, really shown his talent and the fact that he's grown into this really, really good passer of the ball, a commanding uh, defender. And, uh, in terms of clean sheets, obviously Leicester are joined third, so uh, you can give that to them. And um, I mean, if you see, uh, you know, Maguire going from Leicester, we really thought that the Leicester defense is going to crumble. But now Maguire doesn't walk into that Leicester team. I mean, uh, Evans and Soyuncu are are going to play above him. So buying a uh, centre back for eighty million, you know, a few years after you let one of the very good centre backs go for three million is just uh, you know, highlights what's happening at United in terms of transfer business. Uh, if you're a United fan and listening in, uh, we just want to tell you that um, we have some of your representatives in our team. <laughs> so don't get uh, miffed by what we're saying. But that's the truth. I think uh, we're not being unfair in saying that uh, Leicester made a great deal by selling Maguire for 80 million. Uh, and United made a really bad deal by selling Evans for 3 million. I think that's not up for debate at all. Um the reason none of us considered Maguire in the team uh, was because United haven't kept as many clean sheets before the lockdown. Uh, after the lockdown, their form has been great, but the first part of the season wasn't so good for them. Um, so, therefore, none of the United defenders were considered for the team of the year. Uh, if you had a post-lockdown team of the year, then maybe we would have considered them. Um, so, for now, our goalkeeper is Pope. Right back is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Right centre-back is Johnny Evans. Left centre-back is Virgil van Dijk. And left-back is Andrew Robertson. Now we come to the midfield, the 4-3-3, the engine of the entire team. Uh, the three in the middle was, again, uh, there was a lot of debate in terms of should the three be centre midfielders, should the three of them be centre attacking midfielders, should two of them be centre defensive midfielders and one of them be an attacking midfielder. Now we are going to go. Uh, we finally settled in on having one central defensive midfielder and two attacking midfielders, but both of them weren't number 10s. Uh, one was a number 10, one was a number 8, and one was the traditional number 6 um, or a number 5, whatever you want to call the center defensive midfielder. Uh, so, our first choice for center defensive midfielder, there was a lot of competition for that position again. Um, we had Fabinho to consider, uh, we had Kovacic to consider, we also thought of Wilfred Ndidi, uh, who's had a phenomenal season for Leicester. Uh, there was Jordan Henderson from uh, Liverpool. To an extent, even uh, Matic, but his form has been great only after the lockdown. So, we didn't really have him in the uh, competitive space. But I think we settled on Jordan Henderson because of the fantastic season that he's had. Uh, he really seems to be the engine of that Liverpool team. Without him, they don't seem to play as well. They don't seem to defend as well, nor do they seem to attack as much. Uh, so, our choice is Jordan Henderson. But uh, boys, if you would like to 
uh, add on to the reasonings for that i think the closest competitor for me would be ndd i think uh, he's a real enforcer in that leicester side and i would like to give him a shout out as well uh, coming to henderson i think uh, you know the guy he's a man transformed this season i I'd, i'd like to uh, pay homage to the fact that not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well over the last few few years the amount of criticism he's taken uh but he has taken over that mantle from gerard the captain's armband and he has uh, paid the fruits to the uh, you know to the red side of uh, mercy side tenfold probably uh with the premier league trophy now and that familiar it's becoming a familiar sight now lifting the trophy over the last 13 months for jordan henderson and liverpool fans he is an absolute engine and uh, the stats won't back it up i think but he has got four or five goals and assists uh but i think you need to watch the guy you need to watch him play and if you've seen liverpool play this season you'll know how important henderson has been and that's why he makes it into our team with ndd i think the only reason he missed out was because uh, of leicester's turn in form since this year ndd was obviously great in the first half of the season and if we were to make a team of the season then then i think ndd would have come in but uh, he also had a couple of injury problems and then leicester's form also slumped so that's why he could not uh, obviously come in and i think henderson therefore becomes a no brainer and uh, he's obviously won the football writers association footballer of the year and uh, he is uh, you know as journalists say the best player in england right now and uh, he is our central defensive midfielder in this team the henderson shuffle does seem to be something that's occurring quite often now um and he's lifted the one trophy that no other liverpool captain has ever lifted so that probably adds to his uh, glamorous closet now um but moving on i think uh, the next player is probably uh, chosen by default in every team uh, there cannot be a team of the season without him uh, and there was no debate on this matter uh, kevin de bruyne was getting in and i think he deserves to win the player uh, players football associations uh, player of the season uh, but we are not quite sure what might happen with that because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in politics and all of that kind of thing uh, but i think for the three of us he's our a guaranteed starter in that team uh, he's got 19 assists he's going to probably equal onri's uh, assist record or cross that against norwich um, i think most people except arsenal fans will be hoping that that does that does happen uh, because he deserves to be there right on top of the game i think uh, the ballon d'or not being awarded this season works against him to a degree and even lewandowski um but i think that right boot from the right side of the pitch uh, crossing in to aguero jesus sterling mares anybody i think you can put a central defender there uh, even the goalkeeper and they'll still score uh, jesus if he scored every pass that he got from de bruyne Uh, every cross that he got from De Bruyne I think would have been the top scorer for the league uh, but his finishing is abysmal anyway but uh, Kevin De Bruyne I think he's the engine of that Manchester City team uh, he he drops deep he crosses the ball he shoots left foot right foot he dribbles past players uh, he seems like the complete midfield package uh, Mayol what do you think about uh, De Bruyne's entry here yeah i think uh, 19 assists is probably uh... normal for a player like de bruyne because we've seen him already rack up 18 assists in the centurion season so these kind of assists we've seen uh, de bruyne racking these numbers a lot from many years but what he's changed this season is his goal tally 
Eleven goals uh, he scored in the Premier League, which is absolutely astonishing from a midfielder. He's not even a number ten. He plays between the lines and as a number eight. And uh, having thirty goal contributions from that position just says a lot about uh, the kind of player he is. With the likes of Mane and Salah, who are so lethal in front of goal, he has the most goal contributions in the league, and which is why he's obviously a no-brainer for this team. And obviously. in my opinion for the pff player of the year and uh, we had to see the result on that but um, i think de bruyne has had a phenomenal season and he's going to be city's future captain and i think we're going to see wonders from him in the coming seasons as well yeah i think uh, you know de bruyne he's entered his prime now he's in his prime ages and not just the premier league uh, uh, team of the season probably not just our team of the season but i think uh, any league if you made probably european team of the season de bruyne would walk into any of those teams it's an absolute no brainer and double digits almost 20 assists and 11 goals it's astonishing and uh, like you said it seems to be normal form for him perhaps like uh, basca said if maybe aguero was uh, fitter or if he, you know if i mean if he didn't get injured we who knows it could have been 20 in year 25 even maybe so i just think that's the caliber of player de bruyne is and i it's an absolute no brainer to have him in our team yeah and i think uh, the fact that they're playing against norwich uh, the tails will be up because norwich sort of spoiled their <laughs> beginning of the season and that's where the slippery slope really did start for city uh, so they'll probably be out for revenge and de bruyne will be looking to get the record under his belt um but yeah like you said i think he's one of those few midfielders who really enjoys and assist more than a goal um mr rosel was of that ilk uh is still of that ilk but he's not played for a while so he was of that ilk i think we can say that for now um so de bruyne gets in uh now the last midfielder uh is united fans plug in for you uh the your great messiah who has saved your season uh bruno fernandes uh i think he also gets into the team without question uh there is probably no debate for his position also in terms of the midfield uh he's every game he's played except the last one he's assisted or scored a goal uh, which is phenomenal if you really think about it uh, he's transformed the united squad uh he's i i feel that what fernandez has done is made pogba feel like he's not the main guy at the team he's made pogba feel like you know there is competition for your stardom here and you have to keep up uh and the way pogba is playing he's been very disciplined and he's been doing uh the number 8 work which he really doesn't like doing uh, he's been quite disciplined about the way he's going about things um and bruno fernandes has just brought on a major change in the mentality at united i think uh and he doesn't seem like a player who is happy with the draw uh, that's what ole came out and said in the first game where they drew 1-1 and the other players were quite happy with that uh he was one of those players who were quite pissed off so i think uh he's been a great transformational signing for them what do you guys think why did you have him in your team not taking away from any of bruno's penalties uh, i think he's really transformed that united team for him to come in you know uh, mid season it seems like he's been playing in the premier league for years now i think he's one of the uh, elite number 10s the way he plays he really makes that united team tick and he's given a new hope like a new push into that front three now we can see that after he came uh, rashford marshall and greenwood now are scoring on all fronts and i think not only on the pitch but uh, mentally also he's lifted that united team and they look like a proper top 4 team now i think uh, the only player who comes close to fernandez i think is david silva 
because he has 10 assists uh, in this uh, season and he's chipped in with a few goals but i think um, it's not one of david silva's best seasons he's had a lot better campaigns in this one but the fact that he's uh, you know neglected in this uh, conversation for 10 years he's been in england he, i think he's made once or twice uh, to the team of the season so i think he deserves a shout in that sense but bruno fernandes coming in january and making an impact uh, of the kind he did is just phenomenal and he deserves to make this united side i mean he's changed the mood around the club and he's really unlocked uh, martial uh, in attack and i think if you know sancho comes in then it's a treat to have bruno fernandes in the middle with rashford martial and um, uh, sancho in, uh, at the front and obviously he's made united much more watchable united you know play a lot of pedestrian football uh, but bruno fernandes really had the uh, ignited their midfield he's re- he he really has that spark and uh, i think he deserves to be in this uh, conversation yeah, and i think uh, james madison had his season continue to be great after the lockdown you would have been uh, the other competitor uh, same i think goes for the most fouled player in the league jack grealish uh, he's not been great after the lockdown and i think uh, these two players are again young uh they'll probably get into the team of the season at some point in their careers but that's our three in the midfield uh so the team till now is pope alexander arnold evans virgil van dijk andrew robertson henderson kevin de bruyne and bruno fernandes uh now the front three i think again with the front three uh, the two position were locked down uh there was no debate about that also amongst us there were a few notable mentions uh but i think Uh, Mane and Salah walk into the team of the season again. Um, Salah has had 19 goals and nine assists to his name. That's second only to De Bruyne in terms of goal contribution. Uh, Mane has had almost 15 goals and another 10-12 assists. Um, so these two have probably been uh, the major reason, the driving force for Liverpool doing as well as they have done. And I think if Salah if Salah's finishing was better, he'd probably be the top scorer by now. uh but his finishing seems to be slightly off compared to the 44 goal season that he had uh 2 years ago uh he seems to be slightly off pace uh in the beginning of the season um but he's caught up and after, and from january till the last few games he was scoring in every game so he got his form back but again it seems to be drying up for some reason um with mane i think he's been phenomenal if his form post lockdown was as good as it was pre lockdown i think you'd have given a real run for the money for uh, kevin de bruyne uh, right now de bruyne's closest competitor is jordan anderson uh, but if mane had continued to perform at the level that he was performing i think he would have given a real competition to uh, kevin de bruyne but i think these two places were more or less fixed for us uh, a few notable mentions uh, i think the two of you can add to that yeah i think with uh, sadio mane what i've noticed is that he is a big game player i mean he just never tires he is relentless in his pursuit and he's i think he scored around six or seven winners this season by himself i mean in in liverpool's tightest games he has the one who's uh, risen above he's the one who's come into the limelight and scored the winner for liverpool which is very important obviously in a title run in you need a lot of last minute goals a lot of uh, you know clutch moments and i think sadio mane has provided that and i think he i think he deserves uh, to be a close second to de bruyne in terms of the pfa player of the year 
above Henderson, but I think because I think the attacking output which Mane had is unrivaled in that Liverpool side, and obviously Salah has uh, really uh, strengthened his stats uh, since January, like you said. But Mane has been consistent throughout the season. I think he's been Liverpool's best player. So I think Mane is a no-brainer, and I think uh, for the right wing position, a lot of uh, players for the other wing position, a lot of players can be taken into consideration. You had Hung uh, Ming Son, you have uh, Raheem Sterling. All of them had have had fantastic seasons for their sides. But um, Salah, I think again, uh, he's really performed at the highest level for the last two or three years. He's been really at it and. Uh, I think there's nobody who can actually compete with him right now in terms of the kind of impact, the kind of influence he has on games and uh, the kind of goals he can score out of nothing on his own. So, yeah, I think I will also go with Mane and Salah as the two wingers. Yeah, I mean, there's not much left to say. I agree with both of you. I mean, uh, Salah and Mane. I think uh, a shout could also be made for uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, on the left wing, probably. Uh, because he plays both there and as striker as well, and for Ashford as well, uh, his form, you know, after his recovery has been amazing. Obviously, with Bruno as well, and I'd like to give a shout out to Adama Traore of Wolves. Also, I mean, this probably you can say has been his breakthrough season because he's been playing more, and uh, the sort of impact player that he is, you know, uh, not just his speed, but I think his technical game is dribbling. Uh, he's creating more, and I think his overall game has improved, and we can see it where Wolves are in the uh, in the table. I think uh, if you look at the stats again, similarly with Van Dijk, uh, people are saying that Salah has not had, you know, again quote unquote a good season, but uh, the testament that we ha- to the fact that we have so many Liverpool players just shows the team effort. And Mane, even though his stats may not be uh, on par with Salah's, I think that he's the more selfless player and he plays more for the team and I think uh, I agree with Mehul uh, when I think that he's been Liverpool's best player this season and he uh, he's a really good shout for uh, player of the season. Yeah, and I think uh, what works against Salah probably is that his previous successes, uh, he's been, he was so good in his first season and he was uh, considered to be not as great in his second season but he was still quite fantastic. Uh, if this was Salah's first season and he had 19 goals and 9 assists, I think he would have been a uh, close competitor to uh, both De Bruyne and Mane uh, because between 30 and uh, 29 assists and uh, goals I think that's a great outlay for a left uh, for a right winger uh, but I think he his, his, he set his own benchmark uh, and he's probably not reached that again uh, so that's probably been to his detriment I think what change also has taken place at Liverpool is that uh, the balance of goals is coming to a more equal standing between Mane and Salah. Whereas in the first season, uh, Salah was the one who was scoring the goals and both Mane and Firmino were working as people who were going to assist him. Uh, that changed last season and it's further evolved this season where the two of them uh, share the load of the goals. Uh, that's probably better for Liverpool. Um, but now moving on, I think our number nine, uh, there was again a lot of emotional debate about this because uh, some of us wanted the underdog, uh, the player you know who's risen up from all the injury crisis that he's had in his career, uh, Danny Ings, who saved Southampton. Uh, we wanted him to be in the team. Uh, then there was the old warhorse, uh, Jamie Wardy, who's the top scorer in the league. Uh, his two Red Bulls before the game seemed to have been working for him. 
Uh, he scored 100 Premier League goals, you know, which is a fantastic outlay for someone who was playing in League Five, uh, not more than seven, eight years ago. I think, and even Aubameyang to an extent, you know, if you consider him as uh, number nine, uh, he's also been phenomenal this season. Harry Kane's been coming back into form. He's been scoring a few goals. His injury probably uh, curtailed his shout out this season. Um, so there was a lot of debate. Uh, we finally de- decided on Jimmy Wardy because of his. Uh, because he was more on the number of goals and he seems to be slightly more lethal than Danny Ings. Uh, and we probably wanted a more PC lineup since we had the passing range of De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes. Uh, so we thought Jimmy Vardy, Salah and Mane will probably be uh, more threatening to a defence than uh, having Ings in there. However, I think Ings is a great shout-out. He's had a great story this season. Uh, he's saved Southampton. He scored 20-21 goals. Uh, he's assisted a few. Uh, Arnak, you wanted Ingzi. Can you tell us what is the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I don't think there's much reasoning behind it because, uh, like I told you guys, uh, the mind my mind says Vardy, but my heart says Ings. Uh, Twenty-one goals, um, no penalties, a couple of assists, and I think you know he really lifted Southampton. I think it's been an absolutely fantastic season for him, and I think everybody loves an underdog story. That's that's just all there is to it. But uh, of course, Vardy and the team that we have. Vardy being 33 now and showing absolutely no signs of slowing down. More Leicester players probably could have been in this team of the season uh, if it had not been for uh, Liverpool's performance and if they had maintained uh, form post uh, post the restart. But I think Vardy is a good choice and uh, plenty of options here. Uh, I think maybe this would have been the most the the toughest uh, position to pick from all the options, but in the end we we went for Vardy. Yeah, uh, I think it was a good year for strikers in particular. I think Tammy Abraham did had a wonderful debut season at Chelsea. Sergio Aguero obviously had his injury problems. He would obviously be in the running if he was fit. He has sixteen goals, and uh, Anthony Martial has uh, really come onto his own in the number nine position and. Uh, we obviously have Kane and one shout which I wanted to give which I think you guys have missed is Raul Jimenez I think uh, you know he's really taken that Wolves attacking output to the next level and him and Traore uh, their partnership is a joy to watch and Jimenez is so clinical he also links up play he has an excellent uh, relationship with Diego Yota also and uh, you know I, I've been reading rumors about him going to Juventus. So, Juventus are eyeing a striker and Jimenez could might as well go to Juventus. So, I mean, he's 29 and uh, he has few years in his prime left. So, I think he's going to, he, he can go to the next level. But obviously, we'd love for him to stay in the Premier League and uh, we'd love for, love to watch him. But um, between Wadi and Ings, I think obviously uh, the underdog story needs to be considered. The fact that Southampton are safe because of Ings' goals. But I think at the start of the season, we would not have expected Leicester to be anywhere near the uh, top four. And they have. So, in that extent, they have overperformed a little. And uh, if they didn't have that slump in form in the middle, I think they would have cemented their top four position a long ba- uh, time back. So, Vardy deserves uh, a lot of credit. And uh, with his age, he's just uh, you know scoring goals left, right and centre. He does not seem to uh, slow down. And I think he's our number nine for sure. Yeah, and um, if this was again, like I said, if this was post lockdown, I think uh, Martial would have been a close competitor. Uh, so would Aubameyang, I think. Um, and Jimenez, like you're saying, he's been quite phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that's our team now. 
so we have Pope and a goalkeeper, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Johnny Evans, Virgil van Dijk, Trent uh, and Andrew Robertson as a back four, uh, Henderson, De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes as a midfield, uh, Salah, Mane and Vardy as our forwards. Uh, that's our four-three-three lineup team of the season. Uh, there's a talking barefoot team of the season. I think I can say that. Uh, now it's time for our nominations for no nominations. I think for hello. Thank you for tuning into the Talking Barefoot podcast. That is part one, and that is our team of the season for the 2019-20 Premier League campaign. You can head over to part two of this episode to find out who our player of the year is, who our young player of the year is, and who we think deserves to be manager of the season. <laughs>